0: This is the PKD Black Box, Episode 3. This episode of the PKD Black Box is brought to you by MyDigitalComics.com. At MyDigitalComics.com, you can download digital versions of comics such as PKD Media Presents Volume 1... Mercury and the Murd, the Collected Edition, and Wasted Wonderland, along with an assortment of independent and -and up-and-coming publishers at reasonable prices. Your downloaded comics are non-DRM and transferable to any computer device you have handy. Look for more titles and publishers to arrive as time goes along. Prices start as low as 99 cents. That's MyDigitalComics.com. Welcome back to PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy. Before we kick off this episode, I would like to thank Dave DeWanch, creator of the webcomic Spacetime Condo and co-host of the Geek Savants for creating a new logo and iPod images for the PKD Black Box podcast. We're going to have Dave on the PKD Black Box in the near future, so be on the lookout for that. Mad props to you, Dave, and thank you for the new logo. Next thing I want to talk about for a moment is something that I feel is long overdue, as a matter of fact, the Associated Press put it in better words than I can, so I'll just read what the Associated Press wrote a few weeks ago. Roger Corman, memorably dubbed the Orson Welles of the Z movie and the Pope of pop cinema, never expected the words Academy Award recipient would accompany his name. The man, whose 350 movie credits include such low-budget fare as The Mask of the Red Death and And X, the man with the x-ray eyes, is receiving an honorary Oscar for a lifetime of achievement that includes mentoring such filmmakers as Francis, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, James Cameron, and Ron Howard. Corman, 83, said he was aware the Board of Governors of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences was considering him for the honor. He felt certain he would not make the cut, though. I predicted that I would not win because I make low-budget films and I felt the Academy would not give an award to someone who made low-budget films. I was truly surprised when I got the call, Corman said in an interview at the offices of his production and distribution outfit, New Horizons Pictures. Corman does not just make low-budget movies. He's He's a maestro at it, creating plenty of schlock with such titles as Night Call Nurses and Galaxy of Terror, but also cult hits with staying power. Among his productions are Death Race 2000 and Little Shop of Horrors, shot in just over two days for $30,000, featuring a young Jack Nicholson and a creepy, campy storyline that later spawned a stage show and Hollywood musical remake. Along with Nicholson, those who got acting breaks from Corman include Robert De Niro in 1970's Bloody Mama, Charles Bronson in 1958's Machine Gun Kelly, and Sylvester Stallone in 1975's Capone and Death Race 2000. Corman received his award at a ceremony November 14th along with fellow honorary Oscar recipients Lauren Bacall and cinematographer Gordon Willis. Now what I remember Roger Corman for most is a film he did in the 80s called Battle Beyond the Stars. This film was really playing off of the whole Star Wars vibe, Star Wars pop culture phenomenon. And essentially what it is, is is that it's a um, combination of Seven Samurai meets Star Wars, but with that Roger Corman touch to it. Uh, James Cameron did effects work on this movie, and he's, he's credited for the uh, effects work. The DVD may still be out for Battle Beyond the Stars, but I think it's out of print. So you may have to go find a used copy somewhere or go to eBay or Amazon or somewhere. Hopefully you don't have to pay too much for it. But it's it's a fun watch, and yeah, it's corny, it's cheesy, it's campy. It's got a lot of production tricks and things you would just say, oh, this is just awful. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it, and it's the one thing I remember most about Roger Corman movies. I did see the old-school Death Race 2000 which is just harsh. (laughs) It's an extremely harsh film, and it might not be for the faint of heart, but Battle Beyond the Stars is what I remember or know most of about Roger Corman, but Matt, props to Roger Corman, and congratulations on uh, your Academy Award. All right, what do you get when you mix CSI, library catalogs, and bookbinding? You know what you get? You get the action-packed comic Book Hunter um, made by award-winning Asian-American cartoonist Jason Shiga, or is it Jason Shiga? I do not know. I could not find a a proper pronunciation, so I'm giving you both um, no disrespect to the creator. The whole point of this book, it's loosely, and I seriously mean loosely based on an actual library theft. The events in this book take place in 1973. Special Agent Bay of the library police, he's trying to track a valuable pre-1500 Bible once owned by John Quincy Adams, which was not just stolen from the Oakland Public Library, but it was also replaced with a high-quality forgery. From there, Agent Bay brings along his team of specialists to try to find the real book and try to bring the thief to justice. This book is action-packed. It's like straight out of a, you know, just your standard, you know, action cop film. It is just crazy. The first scene alone has Agent Bay with a SWAT team as they try to apprehend a book-burning freelance censor. I mean, the dude's like busting down doors, shooting folks. (laughs) It's absolutely nuts. I just love it, though. As far as the art style for the book goes, I've read that people have complained that the art style is basic and it hurts the overall flow of storytelling. I'm the complete opposite on this spectrum. If anything, it adds to the, speci- the uh, specialty and overall over-the-top theme this book is trying to bring across in order to, in order to tell the story as a whole. Um, his line structure and his artwork on creating backdrops and backgrounds for his characters enhance the story. His characters may not be like you know the best drawn characters out there, and it may not be the most elaborate comic art in the world, but it doesn't have to be because he's able to tell the story. And I dig it. Action sequences include card catalogs, uh, the involvement of reshelving carts, exit gates, and some on the top of the stacks running as well. It, it's just crazy. I can't give this book enough justice by trying to explain it to you. Explaining it to you. You need to check it out. If you want to find a copy of Book Hunter, though, that may be a tad difficult. Because I tried to find some copies for some friends of mine, and I went to Amazon.com. they are only used copies and "quote unquote" new copies available from separate vendors on Amazon.com. But you can read it for free at Shiga Books uh, www.shigabooks.com. Once again, that's www.shiga or Shiga books dot uh, com, so check it out and i really hope you enjoy it because i thought it was a fun read uh he's got a new book coming out very very soon i want to say in january which is a create your own adventure type book his style it may be basic but it works and he could tell a story because i never thought i'd see the day where i would read a book about a library theft and it have as much, as much action as a Lethal Weapon movie. So I hope you enjoy it. As a matter of fact, I have John to thank for uh, today's show. He was able to bring in some of the Memphis Mafia to the PKD Black Box. On the phone and on the internet with us at this moment is Lynn Workman of Bushy Tales. How you doing, You Doing great. Howdy, hey. Now, did I say it right? Is it Bushy or Bushy?
1: Uh, depends on what part of the country you're in right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can. If you're in that. the South, it's bushy.
0: You be
2: riding that bushy tail.
1: <laughs> you be riding that bushy bullshit, bu- bullshit tail. In martial arts, <laughs> funny books. <laughs>
0: you need some fun animals in your funny book. And also with us from the Memphis Mafia is uh, Martheus Wade, a creator and artist of Jetta Tales of the Toshigawa. How you doing, Martheus? What's
2: up?
1: How you doing, man?
0: Oh, uh, we're doing good fantastic. Thank you, thank y'all for coming seriously. I really appreciate it. Um
1: one of the big good to hear your voice and not just see little words
0: on the screen for me. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that like you know binds myself and Lynn and Martha's together is that we are all independent comic book publishers. You know, we deal within the indie comic book field or small press or however you want to put it, however you wanna label us. We're all in that area, so we constantly have to hustle to get our names out there, to get our books out there, to get our wares out there. There's something about that spirit of getting this stuff done, which just makes me love comics more and more. And I always like surrounding myself and talking with people that have that same spirit and joy of comics. So that was like a big reason I wanted to make sure I got Lynn and Martheis on today.
1: Well, thank you, thank you. Ooh, like you said, like they say, of, it's I'm, it's hard I'm, out I'm, there. I'm for going
2: through therapy right now because of a uh, self-option. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Welcome to the club.
1: You know what? Buy a comic, help our, our therapy bills. Yeah.
3: Oh, right. wow. <laughs> buy Lin's, Buy lens comic, get his girlfriend a ring.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: That's a good promotion. Trust promotion.
1: me, Trust at me, the last art show, I almost put out a big jar that said, you know, ring fund.
0: You might have gotten a couple of bucks out of <laughs> it. might have, yeah.
3: Uh, just have Nikki standing over going, just pointing her finger at it. Put it in. <laughs> Come on. Put it in. <laughs> Uh,
0: yep. I'm going to kick a couple questions to both uh, Lynn and Martheis. Um The first questions for both for both of you guys um, start with Lynn first. And John, if you have a question, by all means, or you have like, you know, something that you need to want to say, by all means, feel free to talk. You know. So we're going we're going age before beauty. Is that what you're doing? It's <laughs> no, no. You you said that. I ain't say that. You said that.
3: <laughs> we're going Ewok
0: before before Endo. Uh, first questions uh, for you, Lynn. How did you get started into like you know the world of art and what really pulled you into comics?
1: Well, well the the first comic I ever bought was like Amazing Spider-Man 171 uh, by Lynn Ween and Ross Andrew. I got it at a 7-Eleven here in Memphis uh, out of a spinner rack, and ever since then I was hooked. And then the first art book I ever got uh, was the um, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. That kind of started it. I uh, was drawing superheroes left and right, um, even did a comic for the uh, little school newspaper that we had back gosh i guess i was like fifth sixth grade you know it got me out of class for an hour or two here and there so i you know came up with a superhero and drew it and stuff like that and a few years down the road i submitted some stuff to marvel and got rejected which i completely deserved to be just kind of put it on a shelf for a while and then got to uh got to working at a mall slinging some paint doing t-shirts and stuff and Ran into some other cartoonists and uh, became part of the the local, you know, Memphis Mafia Mid South Cartoonists Association, and kind of kind of lit the fires again. I started wanting to draw comics, and uh, my friend Greg Cravens was working on uh, a Planet of the Apes special, and had a deadline was rapidly approaching. And he called us all up and said, "Hey, look, you know, I got beer and pizza." If you guys have come, help me, zipatone some pages. And it, by me saying the word zipatone, that kind of tells you how long ago that really, really was. And uh, so we went over there and, and while he was inking pages, you know we grabbed zipatone and an exacto knife and and uh, trying to get pizza grease or beer on the pages. That kind of that was like my first hands-on experience with it. A couple of years later, some friends were doing a comic called Star Gods. Uh, I came in to help out with some Photoshopping. And that's that was the first thing Dave and uh, Dave Beatty and I worked on together. And after that, kind of fell through. Uh, after a couple of issues, uh, he and I were riding around in my old '73 Super Beetle. Radio didn't work, so we talked about comics and stuff a lot. And we started talking about, well, why don't we do our own comic? I asked him. Yeah, so What do you What do you think we should do? What, what would we do if we did our own comic? And he asked me. He said, Well, you know, you go to a lot more conventions than I do. What's what's kind of popular right now? I go, Yeah. You know, the anime you know, manga stuff is and uh, monsters, you know, babes, that sort of thing. And he goes, all right, well, let's let's do a comic of anime babes fighting monsters. And I was like, genius. Cool. <laughs> all right. And uh, it started off, it was going to be extremely cheesy and um, a lot of cheesecake. After Dave took a couple passes on the script, it became more and more serious and became deeper and deeper and in. We got to really like the characters and it's kinda of like, Wow, we really can't go cheesy with this, can we ended up going kind of serious with it and did a web comic for a while and after a while everybody kept saying, Well, so when are you gonna actually do a comic? And we're like, Well, we're doing a web comic And I'm like, Well yeah, but when are you actually gonna do a comic comic? So I was like, well, let's do a comic comic. So we did. And we've done three issues so far. If Dave can ever quit getting side gigs, we'll, we'll get back on the fourth. So but every time we start gearing back up, he'll give me a call. i go, yeah, I got another gig. That's the wonderful world of publishing. You know, when you get paying gigs – and you got a house note and car and everything else. Those those kind of come first. Definitely, you got to mm-hmm. handle business. No.
0: Yeah, right. I, I remember um, the uh, Comic Geek Speak Super Show last year. That was the first time I, I had the opportunity to meet to meet you face to face, Lynn. And I, you know, got a couple copies of Bushy Tales and uh, some other uh, Bushy Tales paraphernalia. And I remember I was looking at it and I said, okay, is this going to be a silly, fun book or is this going to be a serious book? And I didn't know what to expect. And then I came home from the super show and I just cracked open all my books, started reading them and I got to Bushy Tales and I read issues one, two, and three, if memory serves me right. I read them back to back to back twice. Um, The first first time I was like, okay, wait a minute, is this supposed to be silly or serious? Okay. I'm like, what am I really getting myself into here? And I was like, you know what? I was like, let's pull back. And let's read it again. This stuff is actually deeper than I thought it was gonna be. The action was, you know, the the action was stunning and the story was really was really good and I enjoyed it. When's the next one coming out? But see, now you gave me the scoop. <laughs> so Yeah. No, yeah. but it's, um oh go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say, yeah, that was the thing about it, is one, two, and three is kind of the setup. You know, when we start getting into issues four, five, and six and beyond, that's that's when they go on their quest and that's when all the the cool fun stuff happens and we start introducing more monsters and A few more characters here and there, and and the
0: whole the whole book itself is already in color. Mm -hmm. But like you know, for the for the print wise, you know, but basically, probably just for cost reasons, it's in uh, black and white. Was that for was that was that what that was for cost reasons?
1: Yes, uh, we started pricing color, and I said this is you know it's been a few years back. You can you can actually get better price runs on uh, color and all that now. But at the time we were looking at it, and we're just like, there's no way we can afford to do color. There's just no way. And at the time, you know, I, you know, Dave was taking his savings, and I was, you know, I had just gotten my uh, retirement. Actually, I was, I got laid off at of one job and started another, and it's like, well, you know, I, I watched my retirement keep dropping. You know, every time I turned around, you know, <laughs> they kept going down and down, and I was like. Well, if I'm going to invest in anything, I might as well invest in myself. So, you know, that's what we did and um, did, the, did the first print run. We submitted to Diamond and we were like, you know, this will be great. You know, they'll pick it up and, you know, we'll, we'll sell thousands of copies. And we did like a 5,000, you know, print run on it. And Diamond said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm like, okay. Hmm. So now I've got, a, you know,
0: a whole office full of books sitting yeah, around been there have you Sean yeah. oh, no, I, every single one of us on this call we, we've uh, we've dealt with diamond in our own special ways okay yeah but it was it was kind of funny because
1: we we thought well all right well maybe it's just because you know they don't know who we are we've never proven to them that we can do a book we'll do the second issue and that'll prove to them that we can do a comic series so we did the second one, and we did a print run of about, I think, 2,000 on number two. Submitted it to Diamond, and again they said thanks, but no oh, thanks. But we we're like, great. So we continued to, you know, sell them at conventions. Literally sell them out of the back of our cars. You know, that's that type of thing. We thought, all right. So should we do another print run? When number three comes around, should we just keep it online? What you know, what should we do? And we thought, all right. Well, let's. Let's at least do one more issue in print. And while we were working on this, we had a lot of the local shops here in, in Memphis and in, in Arizona where Dave lives. Because Dave lives up in Prescott Valley. It's not too far from Phoenix. There's a huge comics crowd and uh, you know, retails, shops and all that out there in, in Phoenix. And they were they were contacting Diamond for us, saying, hey, how come you guys aren't carrying this? You know, we're selling it in our stores. You guys should carry this. And, and so they, you know, ended up contacting Dave. So we went back and redid a... a there was a few things we wanted to fix on, on issue one. We kind of played George Lucas and went back and corrected a few things and, you know, did a special edition, you know, for number one, and then submitted that through Diamond and did number two, and then uh, for number three we went ahead and increased the page count kept the cost cuz we were like all right should we drop the price of the book or should we increase the page count and there was a lot of stuff we really wanted to do in this book so we said well, all right well let's just increase the page count keep the cost the same and so number if you look at number 3 it's it's a lot thicker than than the, the previous two and it it also uh, caused us a little bit longer to to get it done. But having issues one and two, you know, already in the can, you know, we were able to hit our our deadlines with Diamond without any problem. And we actually shipped a week early on one of the books. So, you know, it all worked out in the end.
0: It's it's nice to see, um, especially out in, I guess out in Phoenix, like you said, the Mm -hmm. the comic book store is interacting with Diamond strong enough to make them say, hey, well, maybe we should take a chance on these guys. I mean, I granted, the climate that Diamond's in right now, I don't think something like that could happen.
1: Right, yeah. It was kind of a um, – I guess it was just good timing on our part.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. And and you took advantage of it. You took full advantage of it, which is a, which is a good thing. More power to you. <laughs> More power <Thanks>. to you. Thanks. <laughs> don't flip the same question over to Martheus as well.
2: Oh, man. What brought me – what brought me into reading comics was that when I was little, man, I, I was a, um, a a husky child, man. <laughs> so it was like it was like, uh, you know, I used to I used to get picked on. So one of the things that got me away from that was uh, my mom put me in martial arts. And she bought me comics, you know, it kind of got me away from the whole being bullied at school and stuff like that. And then when I started getting into martial arts and they started showing me how to use my size and stuff like that, you know, I was able to flip the script. But that's a whole nother story. But <laughs> that got me into comics. The the two of them kind of, you know, with me, they kind of grew martial arts and comics kind of grew together. So I stayed in that genre and I ended up getting into more more manga type stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, later on in life... I. I actually ended up picking up a lot of Batman, and I still do, and Batman was, was got what got me into comics, and then I gravitated from Batman to Teen Titans because of Robin, because of Nightwing. Then I went from there, and I went into manga and just independent comics and, and, and stuff like that, and... I got into college, you know, and, and, and I was still doing the martial arts thing and the the you know the combat thing, and I was a graphic designer at the University of Memphis, and it came time for my senior problem. You have to, for your senior problem, you have to come up with a company and promote that company all the way through. You know, and most people would like, I'm going to do a a stamp collecting company or something like that, and I was like, mm, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do a combat company. I had to go through for the whole semester, promote it, come up with paraphernalia, come up with things that were gonna push the company forward into the into the market. I had to do a lot of like a lot of research on comic books and ways to uh, get advertising spots onto the onto, you know, the T V and you know, I even did a little animation for the Jetta comic book, what ended up being the Jetta comic book. So at the at the senior show, I actually produced my comic book, had a whole bunch had a toy line. I had a commercial spot for it. I had all this stuff and I was like, dude, I got all this stuff, why don't I just do my own? At the time, you know, I was looking at the whole thing about how it how easy it was for me creative wise to be able to put together a comic book. I wasn't thinking about like from the comic book industry as a different entity with distribution being the way it was because when I was researching it there was more distribution channels. Okay oh, when absolutely. I graduated that was one distribution channel, you know what <laughs> I mean? So it was like, you know, that's this is kind of where like me and Lynn's story is like almost completely opposite because I went into it from a from a standpoint of it being a. Uh, uh, from from having a publisher pick up my book, so I had I came out with like maybe two three issues, and I came out with a two, three, two or three standard issues of the Jetta book, and it was it was really kind of me trying to kind of like testing the waters, trying to see what exactly if the comic book would sell or if the character would sell and stuff, because. It was something that I, the character was something that I had developed all the way back in, in junior high school. I just had it on the back burner in the back of my head and written some notes and stuff like that. I wanted to kind of go with the character again because I like, everybody knows me, I like to draw
1: women. That's just how it is. So, but, but, uh, and also, uh, it, you know, it's our stories are completely opposite because I was a skinny kid who got into martial arts as a fat guy. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that.
2: <laughs> I was a fat guy. that got skinny off of Marshall. <laughs> that's right. So it kind of like you know. Plus, he's white and I'm black. It's it's like yin yang, dude. Yes.
0: You know? this
2: Ebony is- <laughs> and Ivory. Uh, no. <laughs> that was
3: the uh, alternate name for this podcast, but that's way. right. Yes, yeah. it
0: was the Ebony and Ivory Show.
3: <laughs> we just couldn't decide. We just couldn't decide who would be the Ivory. Uh, <laughs> I, I
2: had the uh, I had uh, the character, you know, um, at the time. You know, I, I came out with the book just to test the waters and I found this, this uh, printing co-op that like, really lowered your cost because they ran your books with 50 other books. The print quality was not good at all because by the time they got around to my book, it was like they would be running low on ink. They'd be, they'd be just trying to finish the run. But, you know,
1: <laughs> pouring in the coffee from last night, just to make
2: laugh. <laughs> exactly, you know, but mm. the, uh, the price was really good. And I saw that, you know, there were people that, you know, were, were willing to buy it and I was never one to be, I was always satisfied with, if there were like three people that Wanted to buy and read a Jetta book, then I'm straight. You know what I mean? Because I just wanted to tell a story. That was my whole thing. I love comic books so much, and I love my character so much, I just wanted to tell a story. I um, put the book out for a while, and I ended up, I, ended, I was funding it by my job. I was, I was an art director. Uh, at an ad agency and I lost my job so for like about a year and a half I was not putting out any books and I had to put Jet on the shelf and, and that time putting the book on the shelf and seeing how miserable I was and stuff because of it and because I wasn't doing anything with comic books I wasn't even hard at reading comic books at that time either made me just say okay you know screw it I'm gonna I'm getting ready to go and try and put the book back out again so this time what I did was I did a a pseudo graphic novel. It was a 80 page book, so technically it was a graphic novel. It just wasn't square bound, and it didn't it didn't have like a a a hard um, glossy back. And I called it Last Chances because, and it was a Jeddah book. And I called it uh o tells the social Last Chances because this was pretty go- pretty much going to be my last chance to put a book out. You know what I mean? Because th- that was going to be it. Yeah, you know, in my head, I had to- I had said that you know I'm leaving it up to the face if it's up if it's meant for me to do comic books then I'm gonna do it regardless if it's not then this is it this is the last time I gotta get it out of my system so I did Last Chances um and I took it to a local convention and surprisingly it did pretty it did really well in the stores here I mean cause I didn't release it you know I didn't have a distributor so I didn't release it nationwide. But it did really well here, and I had my last copy, so I took it up to a local convention. It just so happens that Scott McCullough was the art director for Shooting Star, and Sean Taylor, who was the editor-in-chief for Shooting Star, was there also. Scott remembered me from Wizard World a few years ago, from a few years back, because both of us were trying to submit our portfolio to D.C., and we got turned away before we even put our portfolio on the table because it was too many people. So Scott was like, man, what are you up to... I showed him the book, and he was like, man, this is pretty cool, man. I mean, uh, you got a publisher? And I was like, I am the publisher. And he introduced me to Sean, and Sean was really impressed with the fact that I was pushing through self-publishing on my own with no help. They were like, won't you come aboard Shooting Star? And, you know, after some talking and some negotiating back and forth, you know, I came on came on a Shooting Star, and then that's when I came out with Jet of Defiance, which was the one that actually went out nationwide. And it, ironically, it was really easy to get into Diamond in because I had a publisher. And the publisher already had their relationship with Diamond and all that type of good stuff, you know. So the book came out. It did pretty well. Um, We didn't have a large print run of it. can't remember exactly what the numbers were, but it did did halfway decent, you know. It did pretty good for a first-time book. And I started getting some fans off of it, which is really cool. I went to San Diego Comic-Con, and uh, for the first time, you know, some people were like, oh, my gosh, you know, they – uh, we was looking for the, for this book to come out for uh, the second book to come out for a while. Where is it? You know, so that guy got me fired up to do rain. Um, <laughs> it just so happens that in the middle of me finishing rain, that's when the uh, publisher, shooting star folded. Oh. So I ended <laughs> yeah, I ended up having to go in and negotiate everything with Domin and, and distribute distribution and printing on my own. And that was a freaking nightmare because Diamond dropped all the shooting star books and Jetta was with it. So when I came back and said, Hey, I'm taking it over, they weren't happy. You,
1: know? you were kinda of guilty by the association.
2: Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh so it it, it kinda of was like uh, you know, it, it it fell through, you know, everything fell through. But, you know, I talked it talked it over with Janet and uh, who know uh, at the time shoot we were we, we were we were married. At the time, we had just gotten married, and she was like saying, "Let's do it on our own," you know. Uh, and I talked it over with my best friend Kevin, who's the editor on the book, and he was like, "Man, do it, man. We did it before. Let's do it again." So we kept the production value up to to the standard of of what we established with Shooting Star, and we just put the book out on our own, and we we pumped everything we possibly could into website. So far, it's worked out for us for the better. I mean, it's it's you know we've we've been. We've been doing really well. We've been able to keep up our readership, and we've, you know, it's some trials and tribulations in there. We've went, we've been trying to get, we had been trying to get back into Diamond before with different books, and you know, with Jetta Shoe, we thought it was going to be a a shoe in to get in with Diamond, and they just were not having it for some odd reason.
0: See, and, I, I did not understand that one bit. I, but then again, see, I don't understand the whole guilt by association thing anyway, for the simple mm-hmm. fact that when Shooting Star went down. If your book sold X amount of units, and this was before that whole, you know, you got to sell X amount of dollars, or X amount of copies for you to stay in, you know, in previews. Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if, you, if you met that, even if Shooting Star folded, that alone, the, the fact that your book was still able to sell should have been merit enough to say, okay. You know, yep, your book sold X amount of copies with, uh, you know, through us, through us, not for us, through us, because Diamond right. don't do no selling because that ain't their job. It sold X amount of copies through us. So why don't you come on down? Because at the same time, in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, if I was Diamond, I made X amount of dollars off this book because it sold this amount, this many copies. Shouldn't I want them to come back?
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was, you know, that was the thinking that, that you know, we initially had, you know what I mean? We, we have had like steady momentum you know, building for, for a long time on the book, you know, it just, it it just wasn't happening. So what we, we, I don't, I don't know what their rationale is. Only thing I know is that, you know, everybody keeps saying it, you know, they're a business, you know, and mm-hmm. what their business practices are, are, I have no idea. You know I mean? I don't know what they're thinking and I don't know why they, they didn't, they, they wouldn't even entertain the thought. I have, I could, could, I don't know. But um. truthfully right now at this point, it's like I can really care less because, you know, we're doing fine on our own.
1: You guys, have, you guys have heard of a shoestring budget, right? Uh, Anton, tell them exactly how did you bind some of your first comics? Dude, this is
2: this is how straight up hardcore we were, man. My first comic that I did uh, straight out of college, we bound those books uh, with shoestrings. What? I went I, shoestring. I went and. <laughs> How we printed? How we printed the book was off of an inkjet. Um, I printed out two hundred books of about thirty-five pages of book. Thirty, no.
0: Uh, twenty-four. Oh, wait a minute, hold on, hold on one second. 24. I don't mean to That's cut a you a lot off. of ink. That, yeah, that is a lot of ink coming off of inkjet. Was this off on the college's dime?
2: No, this is mine. Oh. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we, we printed these books out. I got some um, illustration boards and all the covers so that we could have a hardback. All the covers were mounted on an illustration board and cut down to comic book size. Um, the pages that we printed off the inkjet, hole punched. And then bound with shoestrings. And that's how we sold them.
0: That is the MacGyver of comic books right there, <laughs> if anything.
2: Dude, I don't even have one of those but I think yeah. Lynn is the only person who has got a book like that. Yeah. I
0: don't even
1: I don't yeah. even have it's, it. it. It's funny, Kiss uses their own blood and Anton used shoestrings. Shoestrings. So.
0: Boy yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, you could have you could you could have done a, a product tie in with Nike on that one. Get yeah. some Nike, <laughs> Nike or Adidas shoestrings, boy, you, you could have made some money off of that. Talk about a print run. Get it? Yes. You run.
1: Okay. Thank you. He's here all night. Try the veal. That's right. <laughs> Kevin and
2: Janet were, well, man, they were pissed at me every time we did a book. <laughs> pissed. They were like, man, I don't want to do this shit no more. <laughs> you
1: know what I'm well, you guys have, have known each other. For, I mean, I've hell, I've known you for gosh over ten, eleven years now. But did you guys all meet through college?
2: Mm, yeah, yeah. We, I met Kevin in painting class. No, wait a minute. Two D design class, and I met Janet in creative writing. So, we, and we just we just all kind of quit. You know what I mean? It's just we just kind of been friends ever since then. And and uh, you know, I was like Janet Fine. Hey. I want to be around her.
3: Right. Now, was, that, was Norton at U of M then, or was Norton not there yet?
2: Norton was, he was before me. He was in a class before me. He was the one that was kind of, truthfully, he was the one that kind of, I looked at and was just like, dude, I want to do comics, man, because this dude is doing comics. You know what I mean? I wanted to, I wanted to actually do my, put, put my own character out. He made me want to put my own character out, because he had this character called, I think, Mr. Death or something like that, that used to run, into, you know, run in the uh, newspaper. I used to read the crap out of it. I thought it, was, thought it was pretty funny and pretty clever. When I met him, he was working on his senior problem. You know, his senior problem was doing a comic book company as well. He had all these cool slides and some stuff that he was doing and actually stole the slides, too. <laughs> 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 I stole his slides, man. He grabbed me. It graduated and he left, he left on top of a locker and or somewhere and, and I do oh no, it was in the computer lab and I picked him up off the computer lab and I was like, dang, he's a mine <laughs> but he was he was before he was like in a, like two years before for me. So and, this is like
3: this is like ninety four then?
2: Yeah. And yeah.
0: and just okay. and just so people know, we're referring to the one and only Mike Norton who provides uh, sequential artwork for the Green Arrow Black Canary series for DC. Uh, dude's a heck of a talented artist and if you haven't checked out his uh, 24-hour comic with uh was it pirate zombies or some, something to that yeah. extent you need to yeah. you, you need to check it out because it's off the chain
3: he talked about an on around comics
0: uh first part of october <laughs> Martha, you talked about your issues with with Diamond, and Lynn had a different different experience with Diamond. Also, at the same time, with the way that Diamond is doing their restrictions, as far as uh, how many copies you need to pre-sell, or um, x amount of dollars you need to pre-sell on a book before you actually get kicked out of uh, previews. As um, I have the latest uh, copy of previews, and it just keeps getting smaller and smaller. How big of a role do you think this, um, you know, digital distribution of comics? or even like a another type of distributor on the paper side, like Haven, how does that affect the game? Now, granted, digital comics have been around much longer than people think. And I'm not just mm-hmm. talking like web comics. Digital comics have been around for a very long yeah. time. It's just that people just acted as if they weren't there but now we're getting they're getting more of that buzz you know long box is coming you're able to read comics on an iphone or a regular cell phone and sure all these other types of things what uh, how do you how do y'all feel about the quote-unquote digital revolution and other distributors such as haven
1: well i know with with us we for bush tales we had uh we've always had it as a uh, digital download you know, you could always go to our site and and download it that way. We also did print-on-demand early on. The the problem I see with digital comics or another distributor is that comic shops, you know, will complain about there only being one distributor out there, you know, Diamond. But at the same breath, they'll complain if they've got to order from more than one source.
0: And I no, and I agree fully with you on that. And I apologize mm-hmm. for, cu- for cutting you off. No, I, no. no. I, I made this, I made this analogy to a friend of mine. I look at comic, some comic book shops and I understand it's a business. They got to do what they got to do. But I, mm-hmm. I, I took this analogy. Imagine if uh, you ran a Best Buy and you mm-hmm. know, you have to, and you have to order things for the set store. To me, a comic, a comic book equivalent of a Best Buy would be a Best Buy with nothing but Magnavox equipment. It's bland. It's Mm -hmm. bland. There's nothing there. you have to go in those different catalogs to get those other products from other distributors distributors and warehouses in order Mm -hmm. to fill up the store with enough variety to get what you need. Now, granted, I know it's all about profit margins, paying Mm -hmm. bills and stuff like that, but you got to put that work in.
1: Well, you can tell when you go into a comic shop which guys only order from Diamond and which ones are a little bit more open-minded or will take that extra – you know, step or effort, you know, to do it. I worked retail for several years before I got into comics and you know, had had a t-shirt shop and I had to order, you know, for the shop. And I ordered from at least a dozen different distributors, if not more, you know, and it's just because we wanted to find the cool stuff. You know, what does Walmart not have? What does Kmart not have? You know, I, we wanted to carry the stuff and we were small enough, to where, you know, we could turn on a dime, you know, we could say, all right, well, this isn't selling, let's mark it down, get it out, get something else cool in, you know, we could make those decisions without having to run it through a committee, you know, and that's, I, I think the, the retailers could do that, and some do, like I said, you can, you can walk into a shop and tell who's, who's making the effort and who's just showing up and turning the lights on.
2: Oh, no, I was going to say um, that um, with, I, like I said, it's, it's with anything, with anything, it's always going to be, you know, up to the business. You know, what I'm saying businesses are—you know—they're they're gonna do what they're gonna do uh, in order to to turn over a profit for them. You know, and the problem is, is that they know that you know, with Marvel or with DC, they're guaranteed X amount of sales per month. You know, that's keeping their mm-hmm. lights on, stuff like that. With the uh, independent publishing, independent books, they don't know that the problem. With that thought is, is that you never, if you never take a chance, and you don't ever know, you know, what mm-hmm. else is out there, you know, and if you don't even entertain the thought of there's some there that there is something out there, then I think the whole history suffers, you know, in some respect.
0: I'm in full agreement with you on that. Yeah, full agreement.
2: So it's the whole thing of of being able to take advantage of the positions that you, you're you actually in as well. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you, we could have folded and said, okay, we're not, Diamond didn't pick us up. We're going to th- stop publishing. And that was a thought that ran through my head. You know what I mean? And it was mm-hmm. one of those things where I was like, man, you know, we didn't get picked up. We don't have a distrib- distrib- distributor. We don't have a way to get into stores, you know, so that means that we can't sell books. You know, one thing that was that came through my mind and it was forced into my head uh, by Janet was that we had been selling books on our website to Mm -hmm. it wasn't a nationwide. It it was a nationwide thing because we were sending it out ourselves. We were mailing it out ourselves, but it might not have been two million books at a pop. But at the same time, it was reaching an audience and it might take a little bit longer for us to get there, but it you know, it'll get there.
0: Well, a steady, a, a steady flow is better than no flow at all.
2: Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where I believe that the independent publishers need to step up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We, we actually have to step up and we have to actually mm-hmm. go and say, okay, fine, you don't want to, you know, we can't get in the dominance. You know what I mean? We can't get into the store. Whatever avenues do we have that we can actually get out there? And and that's where Longbox, and that's where the digital comics, and that's where that's where all of our uh, resources are going to come. Indie Planet, and, and Comics Monkey, and, 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 and Haven, and stuff like that. Things like that are starting to pop up now more than ever because of the necessity of independent comic book comp- uh, publishers saying, we need something. Let's do something.
0: I remember, um, actually, not actually, not a, few, a few months ago, there was a book out called Fearless Dawn. And I think the second issue is now in previews because the first issue was in previews not too, not too long ago either. But I remember mm-hmm. it not originally being in previews. It was not in previews at all. And the reason I knew about it is because I went to um, heroescorner.com. Because there are two websites that I order my comic books from when I don't go to a comic book store. I go to heroescorner.com, I go to dcbservice.com. Heroes Corner and DCBS are very friendly to independent publishers. And these are oh, yes. on, these are online are. vendors. I mean, they you know, they could just say, you know what, screw you. You know, we got our own thing. We're we're, we're good. And they don't. They they you know, they mm-hmm. open up their door, their you know, virtual doors to, to us as independent publishers and say, okay, let's see what you got. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, well, we had you know, John, we had John and Bob um, talk with them uh, with Cameron and and the guys at DCBS, you know, about doing you know a special sketch offer with Bushy Tales number three, and I know Anton had a uh, had a sketch uh, offer through them as well. So I mean, yeah, it's it, they've you know places like that. It's a few more copies out the door, you know. It's yeah. they've great. also extended into doing sketchbooks. Yeah, as well, I mean, like take
3: this uh, the one that just ended, What's is uh, Steve Bryant. Steve Bryant had his sketchbooks yeah. in there, all th- mm-hmm. including one of them. It, uh, in the third book is a sketch he did for me for last year for Super Show there you go and DCB Service uh, doing their own digital yeah. di- digital distribution now. Uh, yeah.
0: yes um, they, they have their they opened uh, their own digital comic store mydigitalcomics.com uh, MyDigitalComics.com, mm-hmm. and it's a you know digital download store. PKD Media Comics are up there. Uh, Zach Cruz, mm-hmm. the contingent, is up there. And there are about three or four publishers right now, and they're continuing to look for more publishers. From a digital standpoint, I'm in a situation where you know some of the digital uh, distributors, they mean well, mm-hmm. but they say they cater to indies, but some of them only cater to indies that have big names behind them.
3: Right. comicsology, iverse.
0: Yeah, and, and and I understand. Once again, you got to make money, but also mm-hmm. at the, but also at the same time, you know, it never hurts to take a chance on somebody cuz what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. You invest a few hours of your time, you put it out there and it ends up not working out. You just part ways. And mm-hmm. you know, so you're not really out that much and it's not like they have a big roster of employees either. It's difficult for for me to break ground with these digital comic distributors. Luckily, enough i was able to talk with you know cameron and zach of dcb service they got mm-hmm. you know they told me more about my digital comics my they said you know why don't you come on down i came on down signed in now my books are up there at an affordable affordable price for people to download they right. didn't have to take a chance on me they could just could have turned mm-hmm. they just could have turned a, a blind eye and just said you know what mm-hmm. they let me in adam and,
3: uh oh. adam withers and comfort love have always uh the uniques have always had theirs out mm-hmm. that
0: way yes yeah Oh yeah. We can do this. I, you know, there's no, no hesitation in my, there's no doubt or hesitation in my mind. We can do this. It's just sometimes I wish some people that have the opportunity to take chances would take more chances. Um, yeah.
2: Well, it's a, it's a, da- it's a, it, you know, self-publishing is not for the faint of heart, man. It's it's a daunting task. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's, it's, um, it's uh, uh, it's, especially if you're doing it on your own, there mm-hmm. you have gotta be the the advertised guy. You gotta be the graphic mm-hmm. design guy. You gotta be the editor. You know what I mean? You've gotta you have gotta
1: to be, be the, the roadie, <laughs> yeah. the
2: roadie, the sales yeah. person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a daunting task. You know what I mean? And the one of the one of the huge the biggest hurdles. One of the biggest hurdles is the distribution problem. It's it's right. it's always the biggest problem. But there are ways around it. If you're willing to work for it, it's, it's not going to come easy. You know, what I mean, unless you unless you are just the, the guy who comes out with the the, the the book and everybody everybody wants it and like hotcakes off of issue one, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not going to be an easy task, but I'm I'm convinced that there is an audience available for you if you learn willing to work in different audiences. You know what I mean? It's um, to, be able to keep up with the Joneses and keep up with the technology that's, that's, that's available to you.
1: Well, like I said, you know, you're small enough to where you can adapt and to adapt quickly. And a lot of people, you know, whenever we told them that we got picked up by Diamond, they just thought, oh, well, that's that's fantastic. You guys are set you know you're you know where's the limo uh, It doesn't work that way Never. you know you know diamond is they're not a promotions company they are not you know an advertising company you're, you know you pay them to place your ad in their catalog Yeah, you know, which we did you yeah. know and it's it's like it's up to you to get the word out it's up to you to do all your your advertising all your promotions all your legwork whatever uh, you know, you get the comics to Diamond, and they'll go distribute them. That's that's about all they do. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that's that's what they do. So, and apparently, you know, they're the only ones that do it. But with other companies coming out there, and you're seeing more and more of them, I I think it's you know I think comics are still fine. We're we're okay. It's it's going to evolve. It's going to you know it's going to change, but we've got to change with it. And you know, John can tell you, you know I. I am not a digital person by any means no. i I'm extremely low tech uh thank <laughs> God I've got a girlfriend who's my webmaster um and can help me with my my smartphone because I'm stupid <laughs> but you know I would have never thought of reading comics on an iPhone or you know a smartphone yeah you know, I would have never thought about you know downloading comics you know yeah, we had them on our our site, but I just figured All right, well, was for the techie people that you know know how to do this stuff I don't. Know. I don't know how to download a comic. Yeah, well, yeah. this is something I've
3: talked about with Sean on uh, other sites that I'm hypercritical of the iPhone as an app for that, just because of its size being so small. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about it. I mean, it's only a 3.2 inch screen. I mean, yeah, you can go by panel, and you, but still, mm-hmm. you don't. You can't get the art and reading the text boxes, especially on iVerse, who do not have a zoom feature. Mm-hmm. It's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And as Sean and I have discussed, uh, if you come out with a color kindle type device that can uh, basically read cbr files which is or pdfs there's your tipping point well and yeah. you know and you know what's coming out next year what apple tablet
0: yeah
1: see um, and well it's
3: next- going to which is going to be run, which is basically going to be remember those ultra mobile pcs from a couple of years ago yeah that were basically yeah that's what it's basically going to be except it's going to run the iphone os and it's basically just going to be Mm-hmm. Something for them to compete with Barnes and Noble's Nook and the Kindle and a couple other ebook readers that are coming well, out. Well, well
0: not only that, but you're also going to see a few electronic ink uh, mm-hmm. readers as well over the next uh, to possibly two next two or three years. I know Bridgestone, a company uh, see, I only, I only thought Bridgestone made tires, but lo and behold, they make other things too. They mm-hmm. are working on a color e ink reader, which is just uh, it's a uh, digital ink, electronic ink, a full color. And you'll be able to, you know, read, you know, books, comic books, what have you. And it's very thin. It's extremely thin. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and like, there's a picture of a guy actually bending it. That's mm-hmm. how thin it is. It's very pliable. It's very Can pliable. Can you wash it? um i wouldn't try that (laughs) i wouldn't try that but it's you know it's a nice size you know you could read a full you know you could read a you know comic page on it without any Mm -hmm. issues and see then that's when once again the whole game changes again to where you may not need a digital distributor because then you could just distribute it yourself anyway and that concludes this week's pkd black box come back next week as john and i complete our conversation with lynn workman of bushi tales and marthea Wade of jetta tales of the toshigawa as we discuss the indie comic creative process and i'll also make the attempt to turn around nbc and get them back on track the pkd black box is available via itunes or you can go to pkdmedia.com and get the show that way Link to our forum and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, X01 and the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, leave us a comment. We'd appreciate it.